Grit and Glamour, the podcast, episode 37. Hey everybody, happy new year, happy 2019. Here we are in a brand new fresh year. Hope you all had a great holiday season, a wonderful New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Now we are squarely into the second week of January and I kind of feel like sometimes that's the like official start of the new year because we're all so busy trying to get back from work and holidays and parties and everything in the first few days of January that it takes a little while to sort of roll into like really getting down to brass tacks and sitting down and thinking about where you were and where you want to be and things like that. I think it's a good thing to always take a little time at the beginning of a year to look at where you are. You don't have to set a resolution. You don't have to make goals if you don't want to, but I think it's always good to stop and reflect on what you accomplished in the last year. And it doesn't even have to be a look at what you didn't do, but what you did do. What did I do that I loved? And that can be, you know, maybe a guide for you as you go forward in your life. Anyway, this podcast is not about the new year. However, it is about taking stock and evaluating something that we are all heavily into. I shouldn't say we all are because some of us aren't. Like my husband, total social media blackout. The man never participated, doesn't intend to, and never will. So some of us aren't heavily involved in social media, but the majority of us are. And to that effect, I was texting, text talking with a person you might know on social media named Nicole Johnson Sanchez of beautyreinvented.com, her fabulous self. And recently published a book as well. Uh, I will link it below. It's called Beauty Reinvented. And it's a great resource for anyone who's considering transitioning to their natural hair, whether that's gray or not, but probably a little bit more thought provoking and, you know, I don't know, life changing, altering if you are going to transition to natural gray. Anyway, Nicole and I have become sort of, we've never met. We've never met. But we've become buddies and we text all the time and chit chat about stuff and talk about, you know, different people that we know commonly on social media and accounts we follow and things like that. And so we were in a, we were in a text chat the other day and we started talking about, you know, just it, it basically the, the conversation evolved into a lot of people share too much online. You know, where, what, is, where do you draw the line when you're sharing on social media? And I think this problem has become so prevalent and I really believe more and more people are failing to understand where to draw the line between, you know, sharing healthily and engaging in a healthy way and oversharing to the point that you not only aggravate the people who follow you or your friends on Facebook, but you also endanger yourself or risk your career or things like that. So there is a lot to be said about this and I want to delve into it from a a few different perspectives. I would like to talk about sort of the effects of social media psychologically, how participating in social media affects our mental health, reasons people overshare on social media, and also signs that you might be oversharing on social media and how to curb it how to stop oversharing. 
I believe most people find social media to be a pleasant way to connect with others across the world, people that they have similar interests with, a way to keep in touch with friends and family. Facebook is kind of the OG of social media and it really allowed us to connect with our friends and family all over the world because let's face it, we are now a very global society and people are everywhere and our friends and family go here and there for jobs and marriages and move jobs and cities and countries and it's it's a really easy way to stay in touch and it was it I want I think in my personal opinion this is totally not scientific but this is the first place where I experienced and probably contributed to the phenomenon of oversharing because Facebook was a very tightly closed circle, you decided who was in your circle of friends. You let people connect with you and you gave permission to do that. I mean, you can still do that on most of your social media, but Facebook was the first place I think people felt safe to really be themselves and say what they really think in an online environment that wasn't a chat room, let's say. It was a very curated environment of the, you collect the, the friends and family and groups that you wanna be involved in and you engage in that space with those specific people. Back when Facebook was just getting started, I was an expat overseas in Australia and really struggling mightily with my new environment and being thousands of miles from where I lived and never having lived somewhere else before in my entire life, it was tough. And I found Facebook to be a consolation for me and a way to stay connected. But I very quickly realized after some things went really awry in a a couple conversations with some friends that I was a whiner and people will accept whining on social media. You know, it's kind of like a three strikes you're out deal. Wine once, okay, wine two, we'll deal with it. Wine three, like we don't want to hear anymore. And I think that's sort of what happened is I was sort of whining and whinging, as they say in Australia, about something, something that had set me off when I was back in Sydney way back then in 2008, 2009. And I kind of got in a little argument with some friends on Facebook about something. I was at a really low point and I think they were just frankly sick of hearing it. And, you know, someone basically told me to have a cocktail and shut the hell up and put on my big girl panties and things like that. And it was really hurtful to me because I was at such a low point and I felt so isolated And this was my first experience away from home and I was an expat and it was tough. It was tough, but I learned a valuable lesson from it. And that is one, and I read this online and doing some research for this podcast that people don't want to hear you whining. You can, you can talk about something that's serious once or twice, maybe every once in a while, but when you continue to moan and groan and complain People just, they just tune you out or they bitch you out, excuse the French. Alternatively, they don't want to hear you complaining online all the time. So anyway, that's my little background story. And there, there is more that happened in my life centered around Facebook that caused me so much grief. But this is not a place for me to whine, right? This is a podcast to talk about how this stuff affects us mentally. There's a great article that I found online in Forbes. 
And the title of the article is Six Ways Social Media Affects Our Mental Health. It is by Alice G. Walton. There is a link in the show notes. And there, you know, we all know the primary way that social media affects us is that it's addictive. And this is the first thing in this article. It is addictive and we, there is no doubt about that. Studies have actually confirmed, this is from the article, that people undergo a kind of withdrawal when they stop not just social media, but internet use altogether. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'd probably have some withdrawal symptoms if that, but it's literally not just psychological. There are physiological changes that people who are addicted, like truly addicted to internet and social media go through when they are not able to participate in these mediums. Another thing that social media does, contrary to popular belief, it triggers more sadness and less well-being. And that's because social media use is linked to greater feelings of social isolation. And even perceived social isolation is one of the worst things for us, both mentally and physically, according to this article and the studies that have been conducted related to social media use. Another way that social media affects us mentally is because of comparison. Comparing our lives with others is mentally unhealthy. And that's part of the reason why, according to this article, Facebook makes people feel socially isolated, even if they really aren't, is because of the comparison factor. We all start comparing ourselves to others. You know, this person has that. This person seems to be living that life. But what's interesting is that one study in these multiple studies that are basically aggregated in this article in Forbes is that a study looked at how we make comparisons to others and posts in upward or downward directions. In other words, you, you think you're either doing better than this person or you're doing worse than this person or your friends or whatever. And it turned out that both types of comparisons actually make people feel worse, which is surprising as the article reads, since in real life only upward comparisons, feeling another person has it better than you, makes people feel bad. But in social networking, in the social media space, any kind of comparison is linked to depressive symptoms. That in itself is depressing, y'all. So you feel bad when someone has more than you and you feel bad when someone has less than you. Oh my goodness, wow, I have never thought about that. That is a double-edged sword for sure. And then, of course, there's the big old green-eyed dragon jealousy. So interacting on social media from a mental health perspective can lead to jealousy and a vicious cycle. Obviously, if you're comparing yourself to others in social media, it can stoke feelings of jealousy. So according to one study, It becomes a vicious cycle because you feel jealous when you scroll through Facebook and you see someone doing, taking some great vacation or something that creates, you know, envy and jealousy. So you want to make your own life look better and you post a jealousy inducing post on Facebook or Instagram and it creates an endless circle of one-upping and feeling jealous. Another one of the ways that social media affects our mental health is that we get caught up in the delusion of thinking it will somehow help us. Even when we know maybe it makes us feel bad about where we are in life or what we don't have in life, we keep coming back to it. Again, according to another study that looked at how people feel after using Facebook and how they think they'll feel going in, like other studies suggested, the participants in this one almost always felt worse 
after using Facebook compared to people engaging in other activities. But then a follow-up experiment showed that people generally believe they'd feel better after using Facebook, not worse. Also in the article, basically what they say is it's a forecasting error. Like a drug, we think we're, we're getting a fix that's going to help, but it makes us feel worse. So we, we go on Facebook, we log on thinking we'll troll and see what's going on with my friends, what's going on with my family. Well, someone's posted this, someone's gotten this promotion, someone bought this new car, someone has this new bag. Whatever it is, instead of feeling better, we click out and we actually feel worse. And we are unable to recognize that every time we go on and scroll Instagram or scroll Facebook, Facebook specifically is mentioned in this particular study, that we're going to feel worse. We're actually not able to make that connection. And I think that's part of the detriment of our mental health being affected by social media is that inability to see that in truth, it's not making us feel better. It's making us feel worse. So there are some real studies out there that show and prove that social media really affects our mental health, mostly in a negative way. And now I want to get to, this is sort of, that was sort of like a baseline on the subject of social media use and how it affects us as people. The next part of this is really what this podcast is about, and that is the problem with oversharing on social media, the reasons why people overshare on social media, signs that you're oversharing on social media, and how to not overshare on social media. I'm going to switch gears to a different article. This one is by someone named Mandy Edwards. It was published in January of last year. The title is The Problem with Oversharing on Social Media. And in the article, she references a Psychology Today article which listed the reasons why people overshare on social media and even though it was a few years ago she notes that the reasons are still the same today and these are the reasons people overshare on social media the first is anonymity so obviously you can be invisible and hide behind a username and no one even knows who you are in real life IRL A second reason is invisibility. You can easily say things from behind a keyboard when the other person or people aren't looking at who who it is, who you are, who is posting the information. So, you know, this is how trolls online get their power. It's invisibility. I mean, can you imagine what some of the people write on social media? Can you imagine, and I know, I guarantee you 99.9999% of people who write nasty things online would never ever in their right minds go up to someone on the street, a total stranger, and say what they write. There is, people don't do it. That is the comfort of both anonymity and invisibility. Okay, another reason why people overshare is delayed communication. You don't have to deal with the comments and messages immediately, so you can share what you want and respond to it or not whenever you want. Another reason why people overshare is they fill in the other person. And this, this sounds like, what does it mean filling in the other person? That's kind of strange. Basically, when you don't have someone in front of you, you can't see any of their expressions. You can't hear their voices. You can't read their body language. You can't see how they are reacting to what you might have posted or what you might have written. So that causes us to say more because our imaginations are safe places for secrets, according to this article in Psychology Today. 
it not having that information, like actually being in a dialogue with a real person, the 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 nonverbal feedback, the you know the the cues that we read in body language and expressions. Without those, we can just continue on sharing whatever because there's nothing to check us, right? There's nothing to check what we are writing or putting online without a real obvious immediate reaction to read on someone else. Another reason is because the internet doesn't feel real. It's not real. That's why we have the abbreviation IRL for in real life that people use online because it's not in real life and it can make it seem different from real life. You're like, like it's a cast of characters that aren't even real people. So we maybe say things and do things and share things in this sort of black hole of the, the, the interwebs, if you will, and social media thinking there are no consequences or anything that can happen by the things that we say and do and share online. So we just leave our inhibitions at the door and put whatever we want out there. And another reason, and this is a big one, a big one of why people overshare online is because there is a lack of authority. There is no one policing us. There is no one looking over us. And that may make you think it's okay to share anything because, you know, your mom is not in the room. Your grandmother's not in the room listening. Your boss is not listening. But that is one of the most dangerous things about social media is you think just because so-and-so who you respect greatly or wouldn't want to insult is not in the room to hear what you are saying on social or writing. They're not there to witness it. (laughs) Yes, let me tell you something, you guys. Whatever you put out online is going to be there forever. And there will be someone connected in some six degrees of separation at at the worst. No, at the best, I should say. It's six degrees of separation. At the worst, it's going to be like one degree or no degrees of separation. So that idea that you can say what you really think and that person that would normally be offended and you would never say that in front of that person isn't going to hear it. No, no, that is a really dangerous thing about it. And one of the reasons why people overshare, you know, no one's there. The main, the people that matter that you think matter aren't in the room with you. So you think they won't hear it or see it or read it wrong. You guys wrong. So we've talked about the ways that social media can affect you from a mental health perspective. And we've talked about the reasons why people overshare on social media. What are some of the signs that you are oversharing? Where is that line? This is coming from an article titled The Dangers of Oversharing on Social Media. You can find a link in the show notes. And so here is one of the, what I love about this article, there are three specific signs that you're oversharing. So there's not a lot here. These are some real telltale signs that can help you identify if you are falling into this category. So the first one is posting rants about your job. And you know, this is such a slippery slope. And I think most of us who are a little older probably know better than to do this. But I think a lot of millennials, no offense, and young folks who are just getting started in in the working world and in their careers, I don't think they understand that, as this article notes, it's not only in poor form, it's unprofessional, and it it is, you know someone is going to read it, hear it, see it, communicate it, share it, send it, and you're going to get canned, or you're going to get in big trouble, or something. 
It says in the article, don't be surprised if complaining about your job online will backfire at you. Amen. If I did a Google search on how many stories I've read where someone posted in their private Facebook or on Instagram or on Snapchat or tweeted about something in their job or complained about a customer or something, how many people have gotten fired for taking their personal internal thought and publishing it on some social media platform? Go and look. If someone wants to look and tell me, please, because there will be thousands of people who have lost their jobs because they decided to rant about something related to it. That's sign number one. Sign number two is giving likes or retweets too much value. And I want to read straight from the article for this one. Having your posts liked or shared gives you a sense of validation or accomplishment. Obviously, the post with the most likes or retweets is the best. So you keep posting about your vacation trips. Ask yourself, am I posting for attention, likes, etc., or to actually add value and keep my friends and family up to date with important information? Am I adding value? This is probably the most important piece of information, the most important question to ask yourself if you are about to overshare or post something that is just posting for the sake of it. This is why, and I, I have never been one to share. I don't overshare myself on social media. I've learned from Facebook what I should share and what I shouldn't. And I like to preserve my privacy for multiple reasons. But I, more often than not these days, especially when it comes to Instagram, I look at it and I go, you know what? I haven't posted in four weeks. That's okay. Do I have anything of value to add? Nope, not today. So I'm not going to post. It's a great way to limit unnecessary and or slash annoying posts that people have seen over and over. Do we need to see another picture of you with your latte? Probably not. And then there's, this is another thing that maybe might be another podcast. I don't know, but there are some places where something less valuable to your audience, to your followers. That's, I think, why Instagram created stories, why Snapchat was around, why it goes poof after 24 hours and it's gone, because it might be an interesting look into your life, but is it really a value add? If you're putting it in stories, if you're putting it on Snapchat and it's going to be gone in 24 hours, probably not. Sometimes it's nice to see a snippet of people's lives in that way. Just a little clip of their day, a blip of what's going on, something they want to share that's not worthy of a square in Instagram. So keep that in mind. If it's value, if it's valuable, it's going to add value for your followers and your friends on Facebook or on Instagram, give it a square give it a post. If not, maybe you should just give it a swerve. And finally, and this is my biggest pet peeve. This is the one that gets me the most that I recognize the most online. The one main thing that I think really can tell you if you're oversharing, if you post too many photos and especially of yourself. Also, this is straight from the article. Just want to read this because this This paragraph for me was everything. You like posting your OOTDs, selfies, and that 15-minute video of your lunch you took, all in one day, bombarding your friends and followers and inside of your day-to-day activities. 
In all honesty, not only is 90% of this boring and irrelevant, it goes back to our point. There's a point in the article which talks about being tracked too easily and being open to fraud. Okay, now listen to this part. This is really, really important. <laughs> I love this section. Do a vanity stock check. Look at all your images posted over the last six months. What percentage are selfies and selfies with no background reason, just a cropped headshot? If it's high, then sorry, but you're contributing nothing to the platform or the lives of your followers. So look at the percentage of selfies versus a percentage of like things around you, your surroundings, where you've been. For example, the article reads, Here's a picture of the latte I just bought. <laughs> Not informative. Here's a picture of our state fair. Informative. Overall, where do you fall? What percent is all about you? And what percent is about contributing? There's a good balance in there somewhere. Like I said, you guys, this for me is everything. There are some people that I follow online that I really, really love, really like a lot, but I find them really engaging in some other social media platforms. But then when it comes to Instagram, for some reason, it's like picture over and over and over and over my face, my head. This is me. This is my face smiling. This isn't me making a sexy face. This is me pouting. It is so boring and so narcissistic and it drives me nuts. And if I, anyone who's got a feed that is full of their face, like I'm automatically not going to be interested in following you because clearly it's only about your face. And unless you're a makeup artist or a hairstylist and you're demonstrating something on your face, I don't need to see your face all the time. Like the article said, that is not a value add. You are not contributing. You're just posting yet another photo of yourself that everyone knows what you look like and it's just boring. You know what I mean, you guys? It's boring. I don't want to see your face again. You might be pretty. You might be beautiful. You might be sexy. You might be all three all at the same time. But I want to see more than just a face. I want to see more than a selfie. I want to see what you eat for lunch. If I, if I find you interesting as a person, I want to know what you do for exercise. I want to know what book you're reading. I want to know what, you know, where you've gone on vacation. I want to see you. I'd rather see you on your walk and see your beautiful surroundings wherever you live than see just a photo of your face again. It is, are you adding value? Are you contributing? Are you just making a pretty picture of yourself for you to admire and for you to gauge and, and be validated through with likes and retweets and shares? A couple other tips for avoiding oversharing come from a different article called The Problems with Oversharing on Social Media by Mandy Edwards, also leaked in the show notes. This is a great guide, okay? A great rule of thumb when sharing on any social media platform. Post personal highlights, not the details. It's okay if you do not post every day. People aren't going to forget you. If you have something sensitive going on in your family, don't post about it. Not everyone in your family wants it out there online. Trust me on this one, and I know from firsthand experience as well, Keep the personal stuff related to your family, related to your spouse or your partner or your children. Keep that 
out of the mix. And honestly, people, and this is one, th one thing I realized, <laughs> this is going to sound really, really obnoxious, but I'm going to be honest here. People who post and share videos of them going to their family's Christmas and this is my family and this is us at you know trying to get our Christmas stuff together and having it no one cares about that except you unless you are in a family of rock stars like you're the Osbournes or something no one cares and no one finds it interesting to see you going to have Christmas dinner and the chaos that ensues when 15 and 20 and 30 family members get together in a house to celebrate a particular event, birthday party, Christmas, whatever. No one cares about it but you. Trust me on that. Just post the highlights. People have called Instagram a highlight reel. That's true for a reason and that's and people want to see inspiring images. No one wants to see the really depressing stuff unless it's a personal experience a personal journey related to you or your health and you're sharing exclusively about yourself because you have people you want to educate about a particular thing or you you know are going with you on a journey regarding that you know some people set up accounts on social media just to document certain phases or things going on in their lives if people are following you they want to know about that but if people are following you where you post about how you decorate your house and what shoes you're wearing, they don't necessarily want to hear about your trials and tribulations. So try to post the, the personal highlights and not the details. The next thing is that if you're only posting for attention and validation, and this is in big, bold capital letters, you guys, do not post it. This is the root of the majority of social media posts. People wanting attention and people seeking validation because they are missing something in their lives, all right? I think we've all been guilty of that at some point in our social media endeavors. I think a good rule of thumb, other than some of the tips I've shared in the articles in this podcast, is that if you are sharing something in your life as it happens, that may be a place where you pause and say, okay, now is not the time to share this. For example, you are interviewing for your dream job or you just got into an amazing school program and it's the best thing in the world and you have a scholarship and you have all of that. Maybe it's better to share upon completion of certain major goals instead of at the beginning because you know what? Sometimes life happens and things get in the way and you don't hit your target or you do have to downgrade or you do have to move to somewhere you didn't want to live after you just tell, told everyone you were living in some great place and yada, yada, yada. I think it's great to share your achievements and accomplishments, but remember that people like the internet is like an elephant. The memory is there forever. Okay. People will remember what you do. And then when you don't follow through with a result or the outcome or something in due time, they will start asking. So if you're not ready to answer questions about why you didn't achieve this or what happened in your life, don't put it out there. You guys don't put it on social media because like I said, there will always be some person somewhere that will remember and they'll be like, Hey, what happened with that? I thought you said you were doing this or going here and you didn't do that. Why didn't you do that? And it, it, sometimes people, it can make you look disingenuous or people start to question your credibility. So instead of putting yourself through that, because we all have things that happen, like I said, life happens, 
Sometimes we have to take a detour on a path and we shouldn't have to answer to people about that because a lot of times you guys, when you're going through something and you're in the middle of it, it's already tough and you don't want to have to answer questions about it right then. So bear that in mind as you go forward. When you are sharing things, if you really want to share an accomplishment, share it when it is truly accomplished. Being cognizant of what is a value add and what, what comes off as narcissistic or what comes off as useless or just attention seeking becomes more clear with age and maturity. Not always, not always, but, but for most people, I think even for myself, I can look back and go, oh, you know, some of the things I used to post or some of the things, the, the perspective I was taking was probably definitely sounded, came off as a little self-centered and narcissistic and, and. I have since chosen not to engage as much and not to post as much of myself and my life and things like that on social media. And it has grown so exponentially in the last five years or so that it's, you really have to censor yourself and and be careful with what you put out there. But I hope that these guidelines for not oversharing and ways that you can see if you're oversharing help help you all and help you really cultivate a healthy interaction and a healthy relationship with others online and and find a way to engage in social media in a way that is good for you and and valuable for others because let's face it social media is this this plane of existence that doesn't exist beyond the fiber and that's passing between our computers and our networks and it doesn't exist in real life and it's a pleasurable place to be it's an enjoyable pastime it's a wonderful way to connect with others but it's something that we have to learn to navigate more carefully with more prudence and more wisdom going forward. We're, we're just at that point that we're starting to see the repercussions of engaging over, over sharing on social media, putting too much out there, saying too much, you know, just because you think something doesn't mean you have to share it with everyone. And so I hope again that these tips and things help you understand and curate your feed and curate your thoughts and what you put out there on the interwebs and social media in a way that is beneficial to you and never a detriment or a harm to you or to others. So if any of you have any comments or feedback, please feel free free to email me. My information is in the show notes. Um, Do give me a rating and a review if you haven't. I would love to hear what you think. And as always, thank you for your support. And I will be back just as soon as I can. Until then, take care.